when I set up garage doors, I've peed in my lifetime in start in a iced coffee Dunkin' Donuts cup so many times, and you just kind of walk outside someone's backyard and be like, <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed that boy throwing pee all over my yard, but he was having a <laughs> massive coughing fit. I think he has asthma. Should we get him some Young water? man, are you okay? <laughs> Don't come over here. It smells like this. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Bless This House. Bless This House went 16 episodes with only one season on CBS. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 11th, 1995. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, Gordo, Berg, Joe, and not Nick this week, unfortunately. Guys, what's up? Hello. Hey. It's okay, because my girl's playing poker. Oh! <laughs> it's funny because I had a line that I starred and wrote, this will be the line Joe says first, and it's not that one. I didn't want to do the syphilis line because I thought everyone would expect me to. I don't know, is it? We'll get into it. We'll get to okay. it when we get to it. But yeah. Speaking of that, though, I just want to say real up front, whatever people's like or dislike of Dice Clay is, we'll get into. But did it feel weird that there are so many lines in this that should be punctuated with an, oh, that aren't? Yes. He did a good job, I thought, of toying the line of like, he's clearly Dice, although in the show he's only credited as Andrew Clay. But I mean, he was half in, half out. He was able to dull it down just enough so it wasn't too over the top, so it would fit within the context of the family, I thought. Even the commercials, like the promotional commercials for the show were like, could you be married to Andrew Clay? Like, they made a very conscious decision to not say Dice anywhere. More times than not, without him being enough Andrew Dice Clay, I just got like a a Ralph Clampett-like vibe from him. Oh, this is very much Honeymooners. Yeah, the show is most often compared to that. And... Uh, I do want to specify, so Bless This House is more commonly known um, in the UK where it's a different show entirely, and it's not like The Office where there's a UK and US of the same show. This is completely unrelated, it just happened to have the same name, but the UK version is more known and more popular. If you clicked on this thinking it was that, it's not, I'm sorry, please listen anyways, (laughs) keep listening. Yeah, you might like Andrew Dice Clay. Maybe that's why Nick's not here. He accidentally watched the He watched the UK one. version. He realized halfway through and was like, I'm just bailing. Fuck this. And yeah, um, so I picked this episode and the really the only reason was is I hadn't seen it. I knew none of you guys have seen it. And it stars Andrew Dice Clay, who I'm a giant fan of. So as soon as I found out this show existed, it was instantly my next pick. You should have went with Johnny Bananas. <laughs> I And I, I saw Andrew Dice Clay just two weeks ago. I got I'm to so see him I couldn't go to that. That was a good time. It was a good time. All these years later, he can still put on a good show. Did anybody see? He, I mean, he's had a number of shows over the years. Uh, most recently, a really good one on Showtime where his uh, girlfriend in it is Natasha Leggero from like 2016, I want to say. It was yeah, I saw Dice. some of that. Not enough, but yeah, really, really good. It. He also had a, I think it was on TBS, but in the mid 2000s, he had a, a reality show. I mean, it was VH1 called Dice Rules. That was also really fun because it was just him walking around his house with his kids being like, you're playing the drums too loud. Oh, it was just his kids playing drums was like most of the show. Yeah, but I really enjoyed was watching it a reality it. show. Yeah. yeah, it was almost as good, which I was reminded of when I thought of that. And it's crazy because we talk about Polly Shore so often on this, but 
there was a great early 2000s, uh, very early reality show called Minding the Store that was like so clearly staged that was about Polly Shore trying to like become the like, you know, executive manager of the comedy store and like run the day to day. It had like Bobby Lee and a bunch of people in it as his friends. And it's one of those things where like, I'm sure TBS and those places just burnt the tapes, but I loved watching it at the time. And I don't think anybody will ever see it again, but a different time for reality TV. Hey, you want to make $4? Put it online. <laughs> you think they all would. I want to watch Joe Millionaire again, the first TV show I ever saw where it said <laughs> fades to black or they're behind the bushes and the subtitle was slurp. And I was like, okay, we've crossed the line, everybody. <laughs> I like how that stands out in your head, the slurp. I remember that. Yet you've known me for 30 years. Are you surprised by this, honestly? I'm surprised you remember it. You're like a vault. Yeah, of garbage. I don't remember anything good, and I can't do math anymore, but I can tell you about the Joe Millionaire slurp line. Also, the first time I'm on the sauce in, like, six episodes, so we're gonna see how fun I get. So you're like a main dumpster that locks case of bears. <laughs> well, the moose up here. In any event, I feel like I don't need to ask, but have any of you guys seen the show before? No. Do not remember this. No. 95, we would have all been 10. I mean, we were watching shows. I mean, spoiler alert, you can't find this anywhere online. And the version that we did see did have commercials for it. Oh, that was the best part. The commercials were fantastic, by the way. Yeah, they were. But the commercials surrounding it were like Sybil and all these other shows at the time. And um, Murphy Brown that I do remember watching. So I feel like it must have just slipped by us for the one season. I'm going to have to make Murphy Brown my... Murphy Brown's a good one. Good Seinfeld crossover, too. You know what I loved about those commercials? One of them was the KFC commercial where they introduced the crispy strips. And that's like mostly what people get nowadays. I was like, wow, those just came out when the show came out. We could talk about the commercials for a whole episode. For yep. two min- for $2.99. How many strips was it? I think it was three. Okay. Three, and it was so meaty that you can use a fork and knife. <laughs> it, well, if you can last that long, as the commercial says. <laughs> My favorite one still, though, and I mentioned this to you guys earlier, was an Oscar Mayer bologna commercial where they <laughs> yeah. said, we wouldn't put anything in our bologna we wouldn't put inside of you. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to pause this and take a walk around the block. I'm laughing so hard at how fucking terrible of a choice that ad agency made. Another time capsule one was it was the M&M's one with the blue M&M. And he goes, oh, you're the new blue M&M. I go, the blue M&M's just came out. I was mad. I'm mad Nick's not on this episode because the celebrity talking to the blue M&M is Steven Weber from Wings. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Did you guys dial 1-800-FUN-COLOR when um that was a thing where you could pick between the blue, pink, or purple to be the new M&M? I did. And I think I picked pink, I want to say. I, I just thought it would look brighter in the box, you know? I definitely voted for the blue M&M, but also I think that that whole thing was a farce and the plan was to just put out blue M&Ms to begin with. Right around, I mean, it would be a few years later than this, it would have been 1999. The first time I remember ever calling into a thing over and over and over again was TNT made a movie of Chips the TV show Chips with the Cops called Chips 2000. And it was like, you can call in and request your favorite episodes and we'll do them as a marathon leading up to the movie. And there's like a punk rock episode of Chips and I wanted to see it because it's 1999 and I wanted to videotape it so I'd had a copy of it. So I called the Chips hotline maybe 500 times just being like, play Battle of the Bands, <laughs> just doing different voices. 
and I'll be goddamned if Battle of the Bands wasn't like the second to most requested one. And I still have the VHS tape that I uh, from TV that I taped off of it. So how about we start talking about the episode? Oh, oh. All right, so all right, so the opening scene it starts with four women who are playing poker in the living room. Uh, one of the women, Phyllis, is nervous because she's not able to watch her newborn, and she has her baby monitor like with her as she's playing. Just real quick, are we to assume this is New York City? No, it's a, it actually tips it off later. Um, it's Trenton, New Jersey. Okay, because yeah, I didn't remember them mentioning it, but it feels yeah. So I saw it by looking it up, and then I caught it in a line later which I don't think I would have picked up on had I not found it reading up earlier. Okay. So close enough. So Alice, who's like the main, she's the like the mother of the, the family that the show is focused on. She tells her it's normal to feel guilty being away from your baby. She felt the same way with Danny, who's her oldest daughter. She felt less that way with Sean. And by the third, it was, you know, your diaper's full when I say it's full. I get the joke. It was fine. They don't have a third kid. No, they, yes, they, but they mention it. You don't see no. them. No, they no. do mention there's a third kid. No, because later there's a there is a mention of oh, I won't fall for that a third time. Yep, with the pills. I was thinking of something else that I, I was watching Eastbound and Down earlier, and he, <laughs> he, I remember when he, the, when, I when he leaves, he he says bye to the daughter, and he goes, "I wish we spent more time together." Actually, you were barely mentioned. <laughs> I like mixed them both up in my head now. Ferg's like, I came in with the wrong notes. <laughs> Actually, Eastbound and Down would be a fun show to do too at some point. Yeah, that's a good call. Do you guys want to talk about the apartment a little bit? And just real quick to Kathy Moriarty, who's playing the mom. I just feel like we should bring it up because she's in a ton of stuff. I mean, she's in Raging Bull. Yeah, Raging Bulls are top. She's player. in Casper. She's in Casper and the Casper sequel that was direct to video. That's my only note, everybody. <laughs> my favorite credit of hers, though. Have you guys ever seen Neighbors? No. Bad Neighbors? The Australian soap opera? No, the John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd movie. Oh, then no. Oh, I'm familiar with it. I don't remember it. I feel like I probably watched it back in the day, but I have no like memory. I saw the Zac Efron one. Is that a remake of that? It is not. It's a very different movie, but it, it's not great. It's famously known for being bad because they were doing so many drugs at the time that they wanted to reverse the roles. So Dan Aykroyd plays the crazy guy and John Belushi plays the like straight normal guy. And, and Kathy Murray plays like the sex pot who's Dan Aykroyd's... Uh, wife in it it's a really weird movie this is one of those things again where i'm like if we ever do patreon stuff like we should just watch this movie because it's just such a good talk over it's so weird but uh an interesting relic of uh the uh, early 80s we'll add it to our list we'll cover <laughs> the, the, it in uh 2099 yeah we should just do commercials on patreon old commercials if we start a patreon if we just went by the things we talked about on our show that we would like to do on patreon we would have years worth of material it's true. So start giving us money. Yeah, if, if anyone wants to toss us a few bucks. But again, to go back, I was saying it earlier, the, the apartment itself, any early thoughts looking at this place, um, the setup, the decor? So they mentioned uh, another TV show, and of course I didn't write it down. Good times. This, no, good, good times. times. That's right. They mentioned three TV shows in this, which I think is on purpose. Good times is the first one they mentioned. But they mentioned the apartment looks like the set from Good Times. Was that actually the set from Good Times? No. I tried looking. I wasn't sure. No, for sure. It's not. I mean, I've seen Good Times. No. I've seen like, I mean, I don't want to say I've seen every episode of Good Times. I've seen a lot of Good Times. I don't think it's the same apartment. But the building, when they showed the exterior, is the same apartment from Perfect Strangers. I Yes, I did have that down. But my comment on the apartment is they did that sitcom trope where they act like it's a really shitty apartment, but it's pretty big. <laughs> like, yeah. Andrew Dice Clay at one point is like, Every kid has their own bedroom. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. It kind of looks like the apartment from Perfect Strangers. I don't get that when I saw it. If it, it shot a different way, it shot a different way. But yeah, maybe it's just uh, the way it, it looks. It, it's typical sitcom. There's only like, yeah, there's only so much wiggle room when it comes to that stuff. Um, it's usually like either the living room's to the left, kitchen to the right, or vice versa. Unless you're in step-by-step step where it's a cavern. Well, they had a whole house. They had a gigantic house. Technically, they had two houses. I will say the weird thing about this apartment, and you don't notice it until later on in the episode, is that the geography makes no sense because they do a pan-up of them on the third floor. It's either third or fourth floor. And then later on, when Vicky, Jane's mom, comes in, she goes out the back door, and it looks like she's just walking out of, like, a garden terrace apartment, which I... Oh, that's a good point. What is happening here? What What kind of apartment is this? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't pick up on that, but you're right. Thinking back. Uh, one thing I noticed was just like the overall setup. It's one of those made to look a little more realistic. It's not super clean. There's, but it's not like, it's not messy and dirty, but I think it just has character. Yeah. I like that. It just sort of has character. But again, I think Ferg hit the nail on the head where it's like, we live in this shithole apartment. You're like, you know, a three bedroom apartment there would cost now, you know, I was looking at just some of the things in like the, on the poker table and just the sign of the times, right? Because it's 95 and like the bottle of beer. Not that bottle of beer is gone, but it's less common now than everyone would typically have like cans more time than not. Just those big glass ashtrays, everyone's smoking around. like Just the smoking in a house thing. I mean, yeah. if you look back at, I don't know if it's the same with you guys. I mean, Jay, I know for you for sure. And, and Gordo, I know as well. Ferg, I don't remember smoking at your house as kids very much. But if I look at like Christmas photos where it's like Christmas 1992, and it's just like the haze because like 20 people are smoking. And even yeah. if there were non-smokers houses, it's like you had ashtrays because that was common courtesy for smokers and no one gave a shit. Yeah, that was the same in, same in our house. And now if someone's like, you can smoke in my house, I'm like, no, I'll go outside. (laughs) Like, I don't even want to. I went into a bar a couple of years ago where you could smoke and it was just too much. If somebody offers it, fuck it, I'm doing it. I'd prefer to be outside still. Unless it's like the dead of winter. (laughs) Go smoke outside. (laughs) I feel like it doesn't come up as often because it's just not seen the same way. Yeah. No, you guys just come over and start blowing huge puffs of vape. I don't vape anymore. I stopped stopped that. At least least when I do that, you get to smell delicious cereal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I hate that more. I- question, question, because you guys vaped really, really well. Not well. You can't vape <laughs> I was well. so, I was so, so good. good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever made a fart-flavored vape? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why would you want to taste? Yeah, it's called my ass. <laughs> but, like, what's that flavor? Fart? Sulfur? Why would you eggs? want that? Is it Burger King? I'm just, I'm just thinking of ideas here. Guys, I think you should think of another idea. This is a terrible idea. S1E1 fart vape. Stop linking us to your weird (laughs) shit. Like literally in this case. Anyways. So during this conversation about the baby transitions somehow into like one of the other friends there kind of getting on Alice about not having a house, which I thought was, I don't know, a little out of place and unnatural for a transition. But Alice says, you know, Bert doesn't believe in a house. And she's like, it's not Buddhism. It's a house. I think right away you get where the writing for this show is going to be. And I love that line. Like, it's not something you can believe in. It's not a house. It's a house, not Buddhism. You're like, oh, this is going to be like fast and snappy. Cards on the table. I fucking loved this show. And I think the writing is so good on it. And I'm very sad that it is impossible to find the episodes to watch. I'll I'll dig around. I, well, it's going to be tough to see what you can do. Yeah. If somebody put one on. They put all of them on. 
Sometimes. I don't know. Sometimes it's weird because sometimes people find old VHS tapes and they just kind of load them to YouTube and stuff. Yeah, the episode, the copy that we watched was from uh, somebody took a VHS tape, like recorded on their VCR from TV with commercials. So I don't know if they did every episode. That's dedication. I hope so. The only way I would watch the rest. There was like a tape hiss on it that I noticed. Oh, yeah, and it was like, and it was like the not the first. I only generation. noticed it on the commercials, though. I didn't notice the tape hiss on the episode itself. It started with the first commercials, and then it continued throughout the whole episode. I noticed that. Yeah, and to peel it back for people listening, so every week, whatever show we pick, I scour the internet to find copies of them, just so whether or not we have the streaming tools to watch it, like Hulu or HBO, and. This way, they're just centralized, and also because I edit video clips, which you can find on S1E1Pod on Instagram, but I need the actual video from the show on my computer so I can do some editing. Some shows are much, much harder to find than others. We have covered some less-than-known shows in the past, and this was definitely one of the trickier ones. Well, this one was on YouTube. Some shows have been absolutely awful. When we did Mulaney, that was one of the most difficult times for me trying to find an episode. Which is weird because you could pay to download all of Mulaney from Amazon. Like, it's a new enough show that you could buy the season. People don't even want to buy it to rip it. It's not bad. Sorry, John. I'm not sorry. That was a bad show. Fuck him. Mulaney? <laughs> yeah. I love John Mulaney. That show was bad. It was bad. It was, it was easily one of one of the worst shows we've covered is Mulaney. I and mean, if you but... want good John Mulaney, just watch the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. Fantastic Fantastic. Movie. The new and one? another... Yes, great. Uh, another note to the listeners, we've covered some shows that, listen, are pretty bad, but even if you don't know the show, usually, the worse the show is, it usually turns out to be a pretty decent episode for us, because we have something to make fun of. So it is worth listening, so keep that in mind when you're not too aware of the show. It's usually the best episode. That being said, this is certainly a show that most of you won't know, so if you don't ad- heed to that advice, you're probably not listening to this one, but we'll see. <laughs> Jay, say it next episode. Say it next one. Shout out to the Dice Man. I would love an autographed 8x10 for every one of us. Uh, I don't want one. For Jay and I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can we get the Dice Man? No. He's hey, still no, not. He's yeah. Andrew Dice Clay. He's a huge star. And to yeah. be fair, The Day the Laughter Died is the best comedy album of all time. Mm, not huge his best star album. is a big That's his stretch. best album, and it's the best comedy album of all time. He's still selling out theaters like 30 years later. And guy sold out the garden, Madison Square Garden back in the day. He was like a, a gigantic star at the time. At the time. To, well, to go back to the episode, I, I just want to say, like, during this scene of the girls playing poker, not so much like a direct comparison of the characters, but I got, like, such a Roseanne vibe, and it wasn't so much that I thought Alice was Roseanne, but just, like, the way that women were portrayed on the show, like, in that more raw, realistic way. It also helps that the intro to Roseanne is them playing poker. That's true. Yeah. And this is also a writer for Rose- for Roseanne created this show. Oh, I didn't even realize it. That makes so much sense now. But yeah, they it was just like that way that they were kind of getting like the focus up front on them and just the dialogue was a little more stripped down. I, I got a little bit of a vibe from that early on. The guy who created this show is one of those people who you're like probably deserves like a S1E1 Mount Rushmore status where it's like he created this. He created Norm MacDonald's show. He wrote for Roseanne Mohawk Pictures or productions wherever it is like the, I, I saw that at the end with yeah. the baby at the end that you've seen eight yeah. billion times that's his company like this dude has had drew carey show he's a writer and creator of i was just gonna say was he drew carey as well he was yeah so this dude has done so much he's still doing stuff now I and mean, he's on the connors now 
Speaking of that that Mohawk production thing at the end, it felt me with so much rage because I watched all the commercials at the end of the episode, thinking there was going to be a closing scene, and that came on. I <laughs> go, it was okay, just shut it, it was off. just the baby. I we are so conditioned <laughs> to that last scene now. It was very yeah, weird. It wasn't even like a really a thing as much back then, but I'm still conditioned to like yeah. watch all the way through. To peel it back, I watched the Mohawk baby, and then the episode started replaying. Yeah, yes. and I kept watching it, being like, "Is this an outtake?" And it was not an outtake. <laughs> it's a callback. <laughs> it was a weird cut. The video that we watched off of was a weird cut uh, for sure. I will say, when I saw thirty-one minutes, even with commercials, I was like, "That seems kind of long." And that's why makes sense now. From this point, it enters Danny, who's the oldest child of Alice's kids, and what a mullet on the boy oh the boy had the mullet my yeah bad. danny yeah danny's the girl i i don't uh, roughly how old would you say she was like 13 14 i'd say she was like 13 you think she was that old pre-high school but didn't they say didn't andrew dice clay say she was 12 years old when i don't he remember was playing poker she may have he may have yeah but 12 makes sense right like pre-high school but old it's definitely right in that range for funny sure and She's at that age where they're starting to get boobies because the mother talks about her staring at it in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, it comes up later. So I hate being like, oh, we'll talk about her boobs. <laughs> but spoiler alert, we will. She runs in with her friend Jane and she has all these excuses as to why she's running late, kind of blaming this phantom power outage the night before that set the clocks back. And Alice's friends are pretty quick to debunk it. Danny, like, what would you say her character is? early on vibes how do you like describe the way she acts and behaves she's like the teenage version of darlene on roseanne i was gonna say she's a combination of both kids both girls on roseanne that's I got vibes yeah each of them. yeah i could see that she's there with Darlene. her friend and they they enter the uh the area yes darlecky darlecky yeah, i like better that sounds like Thank a clean I, I knew it it always takes me one to get it i'm like my little scott i have to do the bad one first you start to hear a phone ring and it's through the baby monitor. And Alice tells Phyllis that it sounds like the phone is right in the baby's room. It's like, oh, it is. You know, she put it there so she can hear the phone and the baby, you know, while she's away. Remember, 95, no cell phones. It's a cordless phone, though, right? Yeah, but the range, cordless phone didn't have, like, that crazy a range. So if she went up two floors, the odds of getting the signal is not great. No, 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 no. I mean, we no, have cordless apartment building, phones. They're fine. We cordless phones. I mean, I remember those going up a couple of couple of flights. Yeah, but yeah. you're comparing a house to an apartment building where like an apartment building would have like concrete floors and that would probably block out the reception. Also where... true. All right, fair enough. Th that was your setup. She has the phone in the baby's room. So the phone is ringing and ringing and ringing. And then they go, well, what if the baby wakes up? One of the friends goes, oh, you're lucky she's a sound sleeper. Danny goes, yeah, unless the baby has a blanket wrapped around its throat or something. <laughs> what? It's one of those things where, like, it's a funny joke unless, like, she went down there and then all of a sudden it was, like, crib death and she was like, well, this is going to be weird for It was a very dark joke. I, dead baby jokes are very, really not, not riding for, a line. Not for nothing, but how was she planning on answering the phone to be able to talk on the phone via the baby monitor? I guess the idea was if she knew it was ringing, she could run down and get it, but she obviously was not going to do that. <laughs> I thought that maybe the phone had the the tape built in it so that she'd be able to hear the voicemail. Oh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, 95, you still have some digital stuff happening. Like, you may have been only hear it, yeah. Not voicemail, but what was it? What the hell did we call it back in the day? Answering machine? Answering, Answering machine, machine, yeah. Messages. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what I was figuring. 
But then I'm like, why wouldn't you just go down and take it? Or does she not have a husband? Or is a husband out? Like, or do we not know? We meet her husband. Yeah, her husband is the other guy that worked with um Andrew Bob Pinciotti. Bob yeah. Pinciotti. Okay, all right. Okay. Bob. Eat her Bob. Bob. One piece of pie. <laughs> this gets uh, Phyllis thinking, and she's like, I'm sure everything's fine, and runs off and tells Danny that she can sit at her place at the game. So as Danny sits at the table, she asks her mom if Jane, her friend that she walked in with, can spend the night. Alice says, yeah, but that's the third time this week, and asks Jane if everything's okay. And Jane tells her, yeah, my mom's just been having a lot of guys over. I appreciate the upfrontness, be like, there are weird dudes here. I immediately, Fer, you'll appreciate this, I immediately thought of, where's the fucking bourbon, bitch? Like, this immediately <laughs> seemed, like, seemed like a Nightmare on Elm Street uh, part three. <laughs> yeah, and I just think, again, they're just touching on topics that are a little more edgy i guess like that's not like that crazy but this show does a good job of being edgy and being like of the time like i think this is with a new critical eye people would appreciate this more than well i think you lump it in with just to think of shows we did in the past roseanne married with children even though it that the other show has kind of weird elements to it um you know unhappily ever after like just those more non-conventional super upbeat families when they're like a little like, dark yeah a little more raw and dark it, i there's just the representation of that on television is i don't know just it was still even at that point i think it was becoming the new flavor for a little bit because i think of the success of shows like married with children and roseanne you started seeing more start to emerge yeah for sure this wasn't like that standard upbeat try to think yeah. of like a more wholesome family it was the middle class working family yeah, not the my dad, the dad's a doctor. We're all proper and rich. Like, yes. right. Th this is more like uh, Grace Under Fire than it is Home Improvement. I yeah. got a very much a uh, uh, Greg Butler vibe. Who's Ooh. Greg Butler? Who, who starred in Grace Under Fire? Brett Butler. Brett Butler. Okay, I all right. I thought it was. I said Greg. You thought her name was Greg? Yes. I forgot. I, I thought it was G. In all fairness, you think everybody's name is Greg. I was going to say, that's what I always say. So you could have maybe I rubbed off on you. I think you did. You know, you know he's impressionable. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cordo. That's okay. Danny says to her mom that Jane's mom thinks it's better that she stays away so she doesn't set a bad example. Then Alice says to her, it's better that she's not there so she can do it on the coffee table. She goes, you didn't hear that. I don't know. They, they, I thought the, the mother, Alice, they, they really, I don't, I, I'm, I was a little conflicted because they gave her a lot of like more edgy lines. I keep saying edgy and I feel old by saying that. Yeah. You sound like the most like out of touch, lame old yeah. dude being like, it's edgy. I don't know. I felt like they were trying to always have her match Dice's energy. And it felt forced, right? And there were times where I felt like lines that he would have said were like, written for her instead i agree a hundred percent and i think that they were probably i don't know it's weird because like i said married with children and it was nice that peggy wasn't the straight-laced one to go against al like i like that they both had those characteristics and it worked for her at times but i did think she her character needed to just be a little more wholesome to kind of counterbalance him but it worked I honestly feel like it's cadence sometimes, too, though, because if you heard Roseanne in a similar situation, if you think of an episode of Roseanne where they're playing poker and she goes, probably wants to do it on the coffee table. Don't repeat that. I know I do. Come here, Dan. <laughs> I just think the cadence or something about it makes it seem odd. The way she said it, like, was very Dice in that moment, which... Is Dice writing this? I don't believe he was. I think they definitely... 
he probably had some input on maybe some of his aspects and how he worded his lines to to come off dice like, but right because he's a writer too. Yeah, but I don't think he was necessarily writing scripts. But I, I'm not 100 percent sure to be honest. But it's just strange her being edgy and him coming and being the one against the daughter playing cards, even if it's not her actually gambling. But no, but but like I that. like that like, because it's more realistic family where it's not clear cut that there's always one good one, one bad one. So it it was fine. But because, yeah, right around here is when he walks in. And, you know, we get the Alice, I'm home. You get a nice little pop from the studio audience. And there's your honeymooners thing. I just want to say, too, I even wrote down in my notes. I was like, is the crowd crazy rowdy on this? Or did they let them all have, like, a few drinks beforehand? Because the crowd, this is one of the loudest studio audience crowds I've ever heard. And for sure, the loudest crowd we've ever covered on a show we've done. I think some of that has to do with Andrew Dice Clay at that time. Sure, but like he, yeah. like when he walks in, he's like, "Hey, Alice, I'm home." It's like a uproarious, yeah, applause. I, I think he's a big part of that. That's my best guess. And he says, "Put out your cigars and clean up your language, ladies." And then Marion, who's one of the friends, goes, "How about we put a cigar between your cheeks and call it your face?" Not a great line. Not great. I think there are ways that you could have told a joke where he, the punchline is that he has to put a cigar in his butt. That line seemed really lazy. She was calling him an ass face. Any any butt joke gets me. <laughs> As I say, Gorda's on board. I'm on board with this already. Butt jokes, cigars. Now, if you guys you guys uh, ever smoke cigars, only cigars uniform. We've definitely had cigar talk. I've had like cigars in the past. Recently, yeah, like very recently, we had a cigar talk. We did. We did. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did. We did. All right, carry on then. <laughs> But have you ever put one? If you want to know what we think about cigars, go back through our catalog because I don't remember which episode. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember which one either. But it's in there. We we nobody's ever put one in their butt cheeks, right? Not to my knowledge, unless not that I can recall. Unless I was very intoxicated, but I don't. I don't think so. No comment. Alice asks how he's doing as he's entering the living room where everyone else is at. He's like, "Oh, I bowled a two twenty five and ate a lot of hot dogs, but none of that's important because my daughter's playing poker." Alice and Bert have a little bit of dialogue about the kind of situation with Danny sitting there at the table. And then Alice gets, uh, she does get a line in which says, well, you know, Danny likes to play whenever she drinks. And Danny goes, uh, Phyllis said it's okay. And Bert goes, oh, Phyllis said it's okay. Well, if Phyllis said it's okay, I guess it's okay. And, he, and then he looks at her cards. He's like, well, let me give you a hand there. He goes, bet everything. And then that kind of scares everyone off the table, except for one of the people. And uh, Marion, actually, respect the cigar. Respect, Marion. Respect. Yeah. 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 So Play it out. She, she calls, and Danny has a bunch of nothing. <laughs> Just a bunch of scattered cards, and Bert's like, beat that. So his way of getting back at Phyllis for having his daughter play in the table is, I'm going to tell her to bet everything on the next hand, knowing she has absolute crap, and lose all her money. Make her lose 20 bucks. Which in 1995, does anybody know? I did not look up because it's a small no. amount. I usually look up when it's a big amount of money. 34, but I'm guessing maybe 50 bucks. 3836. Okay, so they Pretty lost close. $38. You would think the wife would have suspected that and gone all in. It's very possible. I mean, I think I did just it was risky and he, he I don't think she knew his motives right away when he said bet everything. That's your revenge though, because your money is his money. So you all right, you want to play this game all in. But, like, you can play it both ways, too. Like, you could either take all the money, like, he's helping you, so you win, or you win, you get to fuck with him, but then you give your friend their money back. Yeah, and obviously she loses the hand, and as all, like, the chips are being pulled away from her, 
Alice asks Bert, like, what are we going to say to Phyllis? And Bert says, we're going to tell her that we don't want our daughter turning into a foul-mouthed, beer-drinking gambler like her mother. And, like, gets a little look from Alice. He goes, which, by the way, I find very attractive. I do love that multiple times this episode, he says things about his wife that he has to walk back. Like, it's always, it always works. I don't blame him. The part when she's screaming at him later, scary. She is a little scary, yeah. Yeah. Her tone gets very gritty. (laughs) After the line there, we get the intro to the show, and it's just a very quick, I don't know, I thought it didn't work at all. It was a very quick jingle, which is like a still frame that says, you know, the title of the show, and it looked like it was like a crocheted thing. The cross stitch. Yeah, 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 that's it. With a very saxophone-heavy thong, uh, thong, Jesus Christ, a saxophone-heavy song that sort of reminded me of the uh, Mama's Family theme song. It was a saxophone rendition of the thong song, you're correct. That's true, yeah. Cisco, this was his first break. This would get the automatic green light from me if the intro was (laughs) the thong song on a saxophone. (laughs) I just didn't like it. I just thought the show was missing a couple things, and I think that was part of it. I liked it for being short and for being just, we're in, right? Because I feel that would have been much more aggravating if it went through all, like, cast pictures and everything. Like, that would have dragged on. I think this is the kind of show that needed that, though. It being a pilot, I wonder if they got another theme. If that was just, like, a pilot, quick pilot theme. Yeah. That's a good good question, yeah. I should have looked into it, but I didn't really think about it until right now. Yeah, I wonder if it's, they were really, really shaky on this show, so they didn't want to put too much effort into it no i don't think so because it had a like a 16 episode run in the first season so it wasn't like they ordered five episodes and we're gonna take it from there there's clearly a budget too yeah there wasn't a lot of different sets and stuff but i i don't know i just think it was just a choice for the show and just one i just personally don't agree with i think they could have did a little bit more there but from there we have bert and the kids now in the kitchen after this intro And Bert notes that it's Columbus Day coming up, so he's going to have the day off. And his son mentions that he needs to draw a Columbus Day picture for school. And he's like, what did Columbus do? And that's when the daughter says, he discovered America and gave the Indian syphilis. Pretty ahead of the curve on the anti-Columbus stuff, because I don't recall anything in 1990. We would have been 10 years old, but in 1995, it was like, hey, it's Columbus Day. Isn't he a great Italian-American who did a lot of things? I remember the song, the... Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 with the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. I remember, yeah, not specific, like exactly, but I remember, I remember it roughly. Yeah, I remember that very, very vividly. And now it's just there's a very different perception on it, which is oh, correct. Yes. Which is the daughter's perception is correct. Yeah, it's not even a holiday anymore. It's yeah. uh, Indigenous People Day, right? Yes. yes, yes, and all that information that I had about Columbus's three ships. Now useless. Yeah. Well, well you, I like that the government was like, wait, we don't want to get rid of one of our paid holidays, so let's just call it something else. We'll just move it. We'll pivot. Yeah. I don't think that was a federal government, though. I think it that's is. States. Yeah, there's no mail. No, no, no. But I mean, the, the, the federal government hasn't said it's not Columbus Day. It's specific state. Oh, okay. Oh, right. yeah, but know. it's still a federal holiday that Monday. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a federal holiday regardless, but I think federally it's still Columbus Day. I could be wrong and talking bullshit, which is very, very probable. There's a lot of union guys that were like, we're not losing a paid day off. That's Hell not going to no. happen. You need at least one every month. I think there's only like February or, or March that doesn't have one. March has evacuation day. 
That's only for Suffolk County in Massachusetts. Yeah, it's oh. a very specific one. Well, we I did not know in that. Suffolk County in Massachusetts. Because Woo! I live in Suffolk County. Yeah, it's something Fuck that I guys. may not have noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're the only county in Massachusetts that celebrates that. Yeah, up yours, rest of Massachusetts. Bunker Hill for life. I don't even live in that state. No. <laughs> in any event, so um, the, the kid asks his, you know, his dad, Daddy, what's syphilis? And he goes, it's too hard to draw. Just draw like a nice <laughs> boat or something. Just draw a boat. I thought that was a great reaction. It's, it's too hard to draw. It's an amazing reaction, but I also want to see a little kid's drawing of syphilis very badly. Like, just draw what you think syphilis is? Also, I would like to say I pride myself on being a pretty good, uh, pretty good spelling. As I did the notes for this, and they said syphilis over and over again, I kept having to write it and then kept questioning myself. So I have, like, the word syphilis 19 times across my notes written 19 different ways where I'm like, that last time wasn't right. Oh, I just wrote it basically uh, in a way that I thought could be it, but probably isn't. And I'm just cool with that because no one else has to read this. So I'm more than all right with that. I find the older I get, the worse and worse my spelling gets. And even like on basic shit. <laughs> so I'm not even going to try syphilis. And I'm not going to try to put it in Google because I don't want it to say that I searched syphilis. <laughs> You're getting Amazon ads. <laughs> just don't click the image tab after you type it in. Ooh. Well, then you get an idea about what to draw. That would That's help. True. I guess that would help with the drawing. Alice eventually enters the kitchen and asks where Jane is. Danny tells her that her mother called and wanted her to come home before going to school. And Alice's like, oh, I guess last night's fiance didn't want to stay for the complimentary breakfast. And Bert tells Danny if she wants Jane to keep staying over, the two need to spend less time in the bathroom getting ready in the morning. And Danny says it wouldn't be a problem if she had her own bathroom. And Alice says, it wouldn't be a problem if you didn't spend all morning staring at your little hooters. <laughs> I thought she said singing to your little hooters. No, I like that staring. better. Staring at. No, I thought she was saying singing, and I was like, I am wildly no. confused. That would have been way better. She's just in there singing Billy Ocean to her boobs. Cabin <laughs> Queen. When the going gets tough, tough, the tough get going, go, go, and go. Now I'm going to have Billy Ocean stuck in my head all day. Joe, that's You're the line welcome. I thought you were going to open with. I thought you were going to open with the staring at your little Hooters line. No, even I won't make a little girl boob joke on Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And she's like, Mom, stop. And By the way, you, com you compared it to Roseanne. That's the second young girl boob joke that they oh, made yeah, yeah. Roseanne as well. When she yeah, this is phone. very Roseanne. Also scene. in the pilot, yeah. So she's like, Mom, stop. And it cuts to Bert. He's like, hey, I got to tell you, I'm with the kid on this one. That's such like a relatable moment where he's like, I don't want this conversation to be happening yeah. either. Yeah. Hey, yo, I'm eating my breakfast here. Oh. Yeah. Another one where you're like, oh, there's be so many O's in this show. I'm surprised there wasn't more. I thought that there wasn't or one. Any. There wasn't any. There's yeah. none. Yeah. I think that was probably a conscious decision. They, pro they probably should have did one to pop the crowd, but I understand why they got away from it. I was going to say, maybe it appears in later in the series. Yeah, who will pay who me $100 and oh. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to even ever see the rest of the series, sadly, but... Open up the... Sadly. Who made this show? It was a we CBS show. Paramount Plus. Open the vault. Right, yeah. Like, these things exist. Why People pay for these streaming services. It's... If, if anything else, I don't care about us ever making money or having any impact on anything other than streaming services. You have all these shows. You own them. Just put them up. We're paying for your stupid services anyway. Just put these shows up. You could... Put an S1E1 collection up. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think CBS is going to ever want anything to do with us, buddy. You never know. You never know. We can't even get Omaha Steaks on board. No, no, we can't. 
I'm off Omaha Steaks. I'm now onto Mr. Steaks. They're the only steak <laughs> brand I approve. And then there's now like ranchsteaks.com or Good Ranchers I was looking at. There was one that was main specific. We may have an in. Moose meat? I can drive up there and talk to him. That said, I've driven up through all of Maine before, and the more north you get, get off the my less property, likely boy. anybody's going to want to talk to me. So we'll see what happens there. You look like one of them city boys. Or do you just he- start hearing Deliverance playing? Dueling bands? Ding, 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 ding. It is ding, the ding, south ding, of the north. Ding. So the kids leave for school, and that leaves just Alice and Bert in the kitchen. And Alice brings up this whole idea of the second bathroom that Danny had just mentioned earlier, and how a lot of houses have them. Bert doesn't want to have the house conversation again. He says, you know, we talked about it earlier. Each kid has their own bedroom. There's a living room, a kitchen. In China, this would be Ponderosa. And that's when she replies with, well, in America, this would be the apartment from Good Times. I did think that that was a nod. I didn't do enough, like, extra research. I'm like, they must be on the same set or something. But I, I, you know, I have nothing. No, it's because they're poor on Good Times. That's what they're comparing it to. It's a TV reference because the Ponderosa is the ranch on Bonanza. I don't think this was specifically a good times reference as much as it was a comparative between like a big palatial place versus a very small place doing a TV reference. That makes sense. Exactly. I've never seen Bonanza, so I can't say. My mom used to watch so much Bonanza when I was a kid. I've seen a lot of it. I couldn't tell you a lot about it anymore. I remember all the characters. I only know the theme song. Was she was she bananas for Bonanza? Go Keep ahead. Going. Let's see where you're going with that. <laughs> Bananas for pajamas. Bonanza. Yes, I would love for you to try to say that quicker. Three times. Go. Bananas for bonanzas. Bananas, <laughs> bananas for bonzana. Um, bonanza. Bonanza. Banana. Banana for bonzana. <laughs> can't do it. You, you came can't. up with it. You can't say it. I can't. Bananas for bonanza. Ferg, you say it. In all fairness, I just tried it with my mic off, and I couldn't do it either. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, smart man, you turned your you, mic off. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. No one, no one here could do it, Gordon. I You're just did it. The challenge, though. I just did it. Cowards. Oh, bananas for baz- <laughs> like, <it's laughs> bananas for bonanza. Nice. It's not that hard, guys. Banana for bonanzas. <laughs> How about this? If you can say that, post yourself on social media and tag us, saying banana for. Bonanza. <laughs> yeah. That's where I fucked up too. It's the bo- no. bonanza pie. <laughs> yeah, I think bonanza so, is a so type of pasta we someone say bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say the fucking TV show. Someone say the TV show and I'll say banana <laughs> for bonanza. <Bizanza. laughs> no, there it is <laughs> Bananas for bonanza. Fuck. <laughs> Bananas for bonanza. I can't say it. I keep want to say Bonzana. Like, that's a state. <laughs> bananas for Bonanza. It's not that tricky, guys. Bananas I don't for understand. Bonanza. Bananas for Bonanza. Bananas for Bonanza. I surprised myself there. It's tricky. Two out of four of us can't do it. So, please, post yourself and tag us. We will retweet you, and we will put you in our story. I said it once. <laughs> please use one. the hashtag Bananas for Bonanza. Uh... <laughs> Hashtag that, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll, chill, we'll check that out. Get us on Instagram or Twitter, S1E1Pod. Or at least get Bonanza trending. Bert then tells her, you don't understand. To buy a house, you got to have extra. We don't have extra. We got enough. When you only have enough, you got to pay the price for not having extra. That's why you always have just enough and never any extra. You got it? I mean, this is so on point. 
it makes so much sense. The way he's saying it's like a tongue twister, but it, it, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who bought a house in the past year, this is so spot on. Oh, I thought about you a lot during this. This this whole episode like hit a weird note for me as somebody who like, we bought a house in the past year or whatever, and the real estate agents, the viewing houses, the them not thinking you have money or you can't pull it off. Like it's everything. This is twenty five years later, and it felt very relevant. Weirdly, when I walk into a bank <laughs> and say I want to get a loan for a few hundred thousand dollars, or whatever, they're just like. We, we don't believe you. We'd like some documentation and more than usual. I don't know why that is. I don't trust that boy with the tight jeans on. He's got tight jeans on and a 9-11 shirt. <laughs> I could see his penis and it was not impressive. <laughs> no loan denied. <laughs> when, they're, when they're going back and forth about the house too, you know, he's like, you know, you get a house and then I have to start mowing the lawn. And she's like, well, if that's the problem, then I'll mow the lawn. What about that? He's like, no, you said you'd raise the kids. I don't trust you. I thought that was one of my favorite lines of the whole show. That was show. my first legitimate laugh of the episode. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. If that one took me a second, too, which I hate to admit, but I was like, wait, why is that? Fu- oh, I thought it was way funnier. Once <laughs> it wasn't. It also in. wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting like a misogynistic thing. Like, no, it's the man's job to mow the lawn. No, he's just like saying you did like a that. terrible yeah. job with our children. <laughs> yeah, not just a, our kids are shitheads. Yeah. <laughs> this is your fault. So kudos to them. Good writing. Yeah, and he, and he also goes on about like, you know, it's all the responsibilities. It's not just like mowing the lawn, but everything, like the walls, the roof. It's like any little thing that's wrong with the house, you know, the plumbing, that's that's on us now. Joe, Joe, did you like feel that weight immediately when you moved into your house? Immediately. Yeah. And I literally had to mow the lawn yesterday after I watched this. And it, yeah, I mean, everything's on you now. We have um like our insurance company was like, hey, by July 31st, you have to send us pictures that you did X, Y, and Z because you've lived here a year, almost a year now. And they didn't tell us until now. So we're like scrambling to do all this stuff. It's all you, right? When you plunge a toilet or you, I think I told you the time where I was like, something's wrong with our toilet. And I took the top of the tank off and it was shooting at me because the thing had fallen off. And I was like, <laughs> this is a nightmare, but this is my nightmare now. Like I have to, if I can't fix this, it's on me. That's very, very different, and it's a weird feeling for sure. It's definitely, it's definitely different than like picking up the phone and just calling someone and be like, "This is your problem now. Please fix it." Right? Like if your heat doesn't work at two in the morning in an apartment in the middle of the winter, you can make that phone call. You know what I mean? But when it's your house, it's all on you, and you can like leverage it to like lower your rent for the month. Like I didn't have heat for a week. Like right. I'm not giving you the same amount of money. Yeah, we we're going over stuff at our house and just like things that we want to do and like the dollar signs are like adding up in my head. And I'm like this plus this. I was like, okay, I guess if I never stop working um, for maybe seven months straight, <laughs> I can afford half of these things. That's having a house that was just never not working. Yeah, yeah. It's like Christmas a couple of years ago when my hot water bur- uh, heater burst and I had no heat in the house for a full, full weekend in the dead of On winter. Christmas too? It wasn't, no, it was just Christmas time. Oh, around that time. That sucked. <laughs> I had to buy a new hot water heater. And finding somebody to install it. That's the other thing, too. Like, once you get, like, to a certain... Like, I still rent, but, you know, I I mean, I've lived in a house, too. But, like, there are certain things, like, sure, you can fix. Like, I'll paint, or I will patch the drywall, or do something here, or do something there. And then there's just some things that you just go, oh, fuck that. Like, I can't put in a hot water heater. No, that's not on you. 
yeah, I can't fix this plumbing. Like, you know, then it's an expensive phone call. Yeah, there's a level of plumbing and electricity that you just stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're going to kill yourself or badly damage your property and it won't be covered by insurance. Yeah, when you when you decided you wanted to move the outlets around and you kill yourself and burn the house down when it's in an apartment, they do not care about you. Uh, she brings up the time that it started raining over their bed. And he said, in 13 years, it happened one time. And she said, yeah, but that night you were particularly great and your knees were still holding up. Referencing to a little boom boom time between the two of them. Raise boom boom room. And then while reminiscing about old sex, uh, they got a little more flirty with one another. And then he mentions the idea of taking her out tonight. And then maybe if his knees are holding up and um, she warns him, you know, I can't find my pills. And he tells her back, I'm warning you, that's not going to work a third time. We talked about that earlier. Now, two things to bring up here. One they say they want to go get some Chinese food at a place called Michelli's, which yep. is a very <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is pretty funny. Now, what is Dice's position now? Is he just an on top guy or is he going, he's standing or leaning and she's bent over because that, those are the two hurt your knees positions. No, he's got, he's gotten a blow. He's like, you don't, you don't got your, uh, your pill blow me. I don't think that hurt his knees. He could just stand or sit. Oh, you're referring to the knee comment. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, that's what I'm asking is he says if his knees are holding up. So are we thinking? He's, he's, he's missionary. He's missionary right now. He's straight missionary. Straight But vanilla. if he's missionary, his knees don't have to hurt. It's all upper body if he's that lazy. No, 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 no. I mean, you got to angle yourself. Get There's angle no appropriate yourself. way to have this conversation, but this is clearly a doggy couple. Okay, that's what I'm assuming. This seems like a from behind, he's on his knees. Not with bad knees. Well, that's why if they're holding up, they're holding up from behind. He's good to go. She's going straight up cowgirl or reverse cowgirl. Well, that wouldn't affect his knees. Then he won't need his knees. Exactly. I know, but we're talking about the timing. She's saying if his knees are holding up. Now, the question is, was she under the dryer when this happened? (laughs) No, he was. That's why his knees were hurting. (laughs) The caller, Peggy. Oh, Hey, I'm, f- I'm stuck under the fucking dryer with my tushy out. <laughs> Maybe they're doing it on the floor like animals. And that's why his <laughs> knees hurt. It's not in a soft bed. All right, yeah, I envision Dice Clay walking around with, like, painted on whiskers like you did for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the buttholeless cats from the <laughs> new movie. <laughs> I love how they had to re-CGI in the buttholes because people were upset. I'm one of those upset people. Uh, as somebody who sees a cat's butthole. Can you guys explain the situation to me? I was legitimately unaware of this. So the cat, <laughs> this the, is real. The new, the new CGI cats movie where they had. Like, I remember that. Okay, so you remember how everybody was like super creepy looking like cat? It just came out like a, a couple years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, really yeah. yeah. It was very recently, and was I guess pre-pandemic. that yes, and they, I guess, in the original showing the cats had buttholes, like cat buttholes that you would normally see. And then there was an uproar about the buttholes. So the movie studio decided to wipe out all the buttholes and just make them like (laughs) blank butts. And then people got upset that there was no buttholes because it was unrealistic. So therefore, they had to re-CGI in buttholes onto the cats. To be fair, as a lifelong cat owner, you don't spend an hour of your day without seeing a cat butthole. Yeah, but would you... Did you look at the trailer and went, hey, where's the buttholes? 
No, I had just no interest in the movie Cats remake yeah. from 2020 or whatever. But when everyone said they're mad, there was no buttholes, I got it. Most of the world had no interest. It was a pretty hated movie. Yeah, I think that kind of came and went and died pretty hard. Well, moving on from the cat butthole talk, uh, the next scene is when we're at the post office where Bert works for the first time. And he sees two of the other guys just sitting at the table drinking coffee. And he runs up to them to kind of like reprimand them. And um, midway through, he stops to just double check and see if any of them were feeling disgruntled today. Which I thought was a little bit of a cheap joke. I thought he was a little bit better than that. It was a little too easy. Well, I mean, at the time. I guess, yeah, at that time. It was like a hot story. It's just a lame joke. No, no, that was definitely... People still make those jokes now, going postal and whatnot. Well, in 1993, I mean, this was 95 or 93. I mean, like, this this started happening, like, the post office shootings themselves started happening in 1970. There's a great documentary, actually, called Going Postal that goes through all of this. That's really worth a a watch. Um, But in, like, 1993, there were two in the same day, one in Michigan, one in California. Like, that was happening so often. That's crazy. They were happening on the same day, thousands of miles away. So, like, I get them making the joke. I think we may have talked about it on the podcast before, but my uncle had like a joke t-shirt that said going postal with an Uzi on it. And he was, you know, volunteer coaching my cousin's baseball team and they won the championships. So they took the picture of them and that's just the shirt he was wearing that day. So it ended up in the Winthrop paper and people flipped the fuck out. (laughs) This was probably the same year, right? I remember him being like, in trouble with my aunt and the entire town and my dad being like people are mad at our house just like so funny people are mad at our house (laughs) i'm like looking back at that shit now i'm like oh that's so funny you know after they tell him no that they're not feeling disgruntled he tells them to get off their butts they need to go open up another window and then one of the guys like the line's barely out the door he goes ah my mistake break time and i don't know what made me think of it like at this moment, but I was trying to like think back were there other shows with like one of the guy's occupation was a mail carrier other than cheers. Cheers. N- no, uh, no. Yeah. What about everybody? Uh, King of Queens. He was a, like a UPS driver. UPS guy. But I mean, it's similar. Not the same. That was, I thought of that a couple times, but I was thinking like, it's such a, I don't want to say typical job, but like a universal, like kind of common, especially for like TV tropes, like easy, like job to give the dad. I was like, I'm surprised there aren't more mail carrier roles in these shows it's a perfect tv show job because it's just it's a government job it has benefits you're there you make a decent living but it's stressful and you work every day type of thing like it works really well for like a dad character or mom yeah because we talked about like in past episodes there's a lot of kind of typical female jobs that you see done over and over again like the real estate agent right so i'm kind of surprised you don't see more like postmen in this type of time and television. Did any of you ever get pitched by a bunch of people to go work at the post office? No, the government doesn't want me anywhere near working with them. Well, you have a lot of arrests under your belt. You are the category they're looking for, but... I remember when we um, were still in high school, you know, they offered all the summer jobs, like how Gordo ended up at Fenway. Uh, The post office was one of them. I I remember distinctly. I worked at Fenway and not the post office. Like a I know, I just brought that up. Yeah. I mean, I just sent you guys stuff this week. I go to the post office all the time. I, I love the post office. I love mailing stuff out. I love being in there. I don't know if I can necessarily do it as a job. Though. I mean, I wouldn't want to be a carrier. I think I could work in the post office, but I couldn't be a carrier. Isn't that where all the disgruntled people were? Was like in the post office, though? It's a combination, I think. There's a lot of shootings. I mean, like, I, 
I mean, there's a lot of Seinfeld jokes out of the time, too, where it's like, well, the mail never stops, which is true, and that's kind of maddening, right? Like, there is no... The mail doesn't take a day off. It's always piling up or whatever, but... Unless it's a federal holiday, which is a joke made on this show. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is, like, you're off that day, but, like, there are still people moving and shuttling stuff around. It's just the post offices themselves are closed. Yeah, like, like the office is closed. Yeah. Like, not everyone who works for the post office has, like, Sunday off. You could pee. Like, you just gotta find time, I guess. I guess... If, like, you're on the mail route, though, and you're halfway through and you really have to pee, then you gotta, like, figure out where you're going. You get half a satchel full of stuff. You gotta come back. Pee in the satchel. And that's true, too. Well, that's a federal offense now. Well, you could also just probably knock on somebody's door and be like, Hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood postman. Can I pee-pee? Well, it's worked for Jay in the past, but I don't know (laughs) if it'll work for everybody. (laughs) If you were... I guess if you're like the mail carrier for someone for like an extended amount of time, like you get to know your mailman. No, it's it's like any other job though, right, Jay? It's um, I'm sure you have to have a you have government issue breaks, so you have yeah, to have but your there when you're and your when you're hour. on your fifteen and a half, you have to make sure you're somewhere with the bathroom. It's not like you're gonna drive all the way back to the break room. I mean, like I would if the if the mail letter carrier knocked at my door and said, "Can I use your bathroom to pee?" I'd let them in. You think they bottle it? You know what, though? You have like that. Maybe you can just you can park that truck wherever you want. So you'd be like, oh, there's a Starbucks and just leave it in the middle of the street and walk in and no one's going to do anything. Or pee in your coffee cup in the back of the truck too. the beauty of there are no windows in the back there. When I set up garage doors, I've peed in my lifetime in star in a iced coffee Dunkin' Donuts cup so many times. And you just kind of walk outside someone's backyard and be like, <laughs> I just spill like a whole cup of pee and know that you're killing their grass. I wouldn't have noticed that boy throwing pee all over my yard, but he was having a massive <laughs> coughing fit. I think he has asthma. Yeah. Should we get him some Young water? man, are you okay? <laughs> Don't come over here. He smells like piss. So now Lenny sidebars with Bert, and Lenny is the one who said he's Bob from that 70s show. Don Stark. And he says he needs to talk to him. And he's having an issue because his baby with Phyllis doesn't look like him. And he mentions wanting to get DNA testing, which I thought was pretty funny because at that time seemed like this crazy idea, like, but now. And probably very expensive. DNA testing is so easy. It's so easy to just like. Like TV shows give it away for ratings. Yeah. Or you just like do an ancestry report. You can see if everything matches up. Like you can do those for like such short money now compared to how they were years ago. Yeah, we're seeing documentaries come out now that are just like, there's literally a new documentary that came out this week that's like. People figuring out that they have like 45 siblings because of Ancestry.com and finding out that there was one dad spread around all this stuff. So, Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, isn't that nuts? That makes me nervous about ever putting anything into those sites. Also, it's a bad idea to put your stuff into those sites. I've never, I would never put anything into any of those sites. Ah, whatever. I spit into a a vial. 77% Italian. I mean, that's, I understand why somebody would do it. I just, uh, for what I do day to day. It, it, I give it gives me pause, so I just won't do anything like that. So uh, Bert tells Lenny, you know, you need to pay more attention to Phyllis, so she, you know, you don't have to worry about things like this. And he mentions how he is with Alice. Like when he sees her in the kitchen, he'll grab her ass. And Lenny's like, oh. "Well, you you are Mister Romance." This is one of those weird things where we talk about this all the time, where it's like in an alternate world, I want this show to go ten seasons because I think it's great and really funny. But then we also wouldn't get Bob Pinciotti. Yeah, because it was only a couple of years difference between when this show came out and that one, yeah. I also don't feel like the two of them had good chemistry. I think all the people on this show did, but I thought um, Andrew Dice Clay and Bob didn't. Oh, I liked their chemistry a lot. I thought they were a fun, fun partnering. 
I don't think they like were like standout or anything, but I didn't. It didn't flag me as they didn't have chemistry. It just I don't know. They were fine. It's like macho guy, dumb guy combo. That he plays dumb guys so well, which is funny because he stumbled into that. Because I don't know if you guys have seen a ton of stuff he's done before his sitcom stuff, but like Switchblade Sisters and like Evil Speak and uh, God, what's the John Claude Van Damme movie where he's the prison guard? But he's always like a heavy. You know what I mean? It's like a tough guy. And then, like, all of a sudden, one day, he was like, wait, I can be, like, dumb funny. And everyone was like, well, that's it forever now. Like, yeah, that's so much better. You're so good at this. Make your money. Brent then tells Lenny that, you know, your wife's probably not feeling too confident after having her first kid. And, you know, you should do something nice for her. And Lenny asks, well, what did you do when Alice had your first kid? And he goes, I married her. Hey, yo, he says, hey. I married her. Oh. It's so oh, hard. Joke. There's so many oh. of these lines. Yeah. they. It's like. To say them without saying them as dice do not come off the same way. It's hard. And this is when Bert actually walks up to the counter himself to just start working. And a woman walks up asking for 24 32 cent stamps. And I was like, immediately when she said it, I just like instantly remembered when they went up from 29 and what a huge deal that was at the time. And then they were selling the, you know, the short change stamps to go with them. The penny stamps. Yeah, it's just so crazy to think of, like, what a big deal that was in the 90s when it moved up from 29 cents. I mean, I forget if it's this year or the year before, but, like, a a very big, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a big plot, but a big part of Fargo is the contest, and he wins the one-cent stamp. And she's like, that's really important. You need those when the postage goes up. Right, like, it was, like, a very present-to-the-culture thing at this time. And especially here where they reference the Elvis stamps, which, again, the the fat Elvis ones that come up. Well, I don't remember the fat Elvis one that much. There were two stamps. There was the younger and older Elvis. 93 is the big one. And the younger Elvis stamp, I remember very clearly. But the older version of the Elvis, I don't remember that stamp as much. But the younger one, like that was, everyone was buying books and books of them. They thought it was going to be this huge collectible piece down the road. The, the one from 93, the big famous one we all remember is it's like almost like a purple background. He's holding a microphone in his hand and he's got like the slick back hair. Yeah, and that was like the big collector stamp. Which is funny because around the same time was like, this is very, I always think of them in the same way as the death of Superman comic. Because they came out around the same time and everyone was like, buy books of stamps or buy 10 death of Supermans. They were both worth nothing like immediately. Because Having worked in a comic book store. It's just like one of those things that to this day, it's been 20 years since I worked in a comic book store, which is crazy to say that out loud. But it's one of those things where every day someone would walk in and they thought they were holding this like $10,000 grail piece. They thought they were going to pay their house off. The market was so flooded. So many of them exist and everybody owns one. So there's no rarity to it. So there's no demand for it. Yeah. They're worth like a dollar. That's because hey, when the I, death of Superman happened it was such a big deal. It was covered on the news. Everyone went out and bought yeah, it. Yeah, It was everyone. a big comic book moment. I mean, it was smart, but. It, it was good for them because they sold a ton of books. It's just all those people just buying them up thinking that they were going to be like this big collector's piece. And if everyone has one, then there's no market value because there's no no demand. That's very true. Yeah, even I remember having it. And I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big comic book guy. I remember having an armband, which I thought was really cool. Like a, you'd wear it to the funeral, which was like black with the Superman logo on it. Mm. Yeah, I, the, yeah, I, I remember the those. Cover. Also, the Spider-Man 911 comic, too, was like another one of those ones. Yeah, a like, lot of people bought them. They might be worth a few bucks. I haven't looked them up, but yeah, I remember everyone was scooping them like crazy. The last time we moved, I gave away, I have a friend who collects comics and I gave like probably 75% of my collection away to him just because he's a collector, not a seller. And I was like, you'll read these. 
and I kept like all the G.I. Joes, all the um Batmans, and then a few weird ones, and I was pulling stuff out, and I saw the 9-11 Spider-Man one, and was like, you stay. <laughs> like, I don't care if it's worth nothing, I just need... I need sad Spider-Man on the rubble being like, I wish I stopped the plane. I just remember when I still bought comics, like, serious collectors used to just get so upset with me, because I treated them like shit. You gotta bought back them, you can't leave them in your... I'm like, I was literally, legitimately just buying them because I wanted to read them. I had no intention of collecting them, other than being me. <laughs> Well, I remember when, uh, was it Wednesday was new comic day? I think so. I think it was Wednesday. We'd go after school to the comic book store and we'd buy whatever we were like, never new books, like new Punisher. Like we all loved Punisher before that got ruined by everybody. Um, but there was some sort of DC Punisher's thing. not ruined. Mm, well, we'll talk about that later. But it was like a Joker thing where it was like, it was across every title uh, I'll find one of them, but it was like a big thing where it was like, this is a Joker thing, and now he's in every comic book. So oh, you have to it read. was like, uh, it might have been Last Laugh. Or... Yes, Joker's Last Laugh, exactly. And you'd buy the books. Is that when he cut his face off? No, that was later. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't think so. But it was like in every book. So you were buying books you didn't necessarily read normally to follow the storyline, which was like a great marketing move. It's actually what got me to stop reading comics. Yeah, well, we all stopped being like, I'm not doing this anymore. But for a time, we were there at the store, and we'd buy the ones that we didn't read. And I remember this one dude who was like a big comic nerd in our hometown who came in one day and just got there too late, and we had bought all the books, and he had like a mental breakdown. Because he's like, you guys don't even read that title. We're like, oh, oh, if you're going to keep going like this, we're just going to keep doing it. I'm sorry, this is so depressing. I wish I was there. I would have ripped it up in front of him. <laughs> All right, let's get back into this. So the woman who walked into the store, for those of you who remember where we're going with the story, the woman at the, uh, who ordered the stamps recognizes Bert from his name um, after reading it on his shirt and introduces herself. She's Jane's mom. And she thanks him for letting Jane stay over so much and says, oh, I don't know what she tells you about me. And Bert's like, oh, you know, just you're hanging out with your girlfriends, doing facials, talking about your diets, astrology, whatever. And she goes, no, actually, uh, it's just basically when I have my date spend the night. He goes, there you go. So she is getting facials. She is getting facials. I was going to say the same thing. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. So he rings her up and he offers to even knock a few stamps up. <laughs> knock a few stamps. Knock a few <laughs> cents off if she takes the fat out of the for stamps. for the price of 10 there, sweetie. Yeah. And, you know, she says, you know, I'll pay a little extra if you lick them for me. And he goes, I don't think so, but I could, like, I could give you a wet sponge. He was being flirty with that line back, but I didn't see how that line was flirty. That's not a flirty line. I think he was trying to just like respond to her, but with not like the be same weird. cadence to yeah. get out of it. Yeah, still got her horny. She was into it, and she was like, "I love sponges." I was like, oh shit, I don't know today. She's like a wet sponge for my stance. Yeah, and then Lenny walks up right after she leaves, and Bert says, "You know, don't mention this to Alice," and re- reinforces, "It's not me that she's interested in. She's just a fan of the uniform." And you also notice there, too, he's the only one wearing a tie. Because he's a supervisor. Yeah, but like you, they don't say it until later, but like you realize he's the boss because he's got a tie on, no one else does. So then in the next scene, Danny's on the phone in the living room when Bert walks in, and when she sees him, she kind of changes the conversation she's having, knowing that he's listening, and goes, but Jane, we have to run away. We're gay. They won't understand our love. Did you sell enough crack to buy the bus tickets? immediately i'm like i want to keep watching this show this is such a funny character like i love the smarmy teenage girl and i love that we're at a point i forget if this was 
I didn't look it up, but if this is around when um, Ellen had come out as gay on TV, this might be a little before it. So, like, this is kind of like a big thing to say on a TV show. It's a very interesting, weird point in you in American culture. In the 90s. Yeah, this is very 90s. But she's so funny, and she... This girl is a great actress, and it's kind of weird she didn't do, like, a ton more. Yeah, she had very very few credits other than this. Bert uh, then asks where her mother is and tells her she's in the kitchen. And as he's walking over, he looks over. He's like, hey, if we're about to have dinner, why are you having ice cream? She goes, well, you'll see. He enters the kitchen and sees Phyllis and Lenny are over. And Alice is on the floor with a ton of food from the fridge. And Lenny tells him the fridge is busted. Alice corrects him and says, no, it's not his fridge. It's the landlord's fridge. Going back to earlier, because whenever something breaks, he can just call the landlord to fix it. But obviously... In a situation like this, the damage is still done. So Phyllis tells Bert that Alice invited them to go up for dinner just because she has to cook everything before it spoils. And as she walks by, Lenny grabs her butt and she goes, hey, what are you doing? And he goes, I love you. <laughs> he says it's so funny. <laughs> and Bert's like, not now, stupid. Like, such a, it really, like his face when he said I love you to her, like, it, that got me. That totally got me. Has anybody had the scenario where your fridge breaks and you don't know about it until you have to do something about it? Yeah, but my um, answer is just don't open the fridge door and cold stays in. Or if certain things you just put in other people's fridges. I agree with you. When when our fridge broke last time, it was the last apartment we had. Um, you know, like the uh, vinyl sort of uh, like socket that goes along the door to hold it tight? The, like It's like a rubbery. Like, yeah. Like the weather yeah. stripping? Yeah, exactly, the weather stripping. That's what keeps the door closed. So we were both at work one day, and that just cracked and died. The vinyl just cracked and died or whatever. Because of that, the door opened. So we came home from work, and everything in the fridge and the freezer, gone. Ouch. Yeah, I've had, I had mine once go on me. We were making a cold-cut calzone that night, so we had, like, a pound of ham, a pound of pepperoni, and a pound of American cheese that were going to go into the calzone and the dough. And you can't just go buy another dough because you have to defrost it. So, like, it was just, like, the worst Friday of my life. But I was like, that's $25 worth of cold cuts are just gone. I'll never forget it. eating cold cuts all night. I couldn't. They were, like, melted to the floor. They were gross because it must have happened at, like, oh. 11 a.m. or something. You know, by the time I got home at 6, it was, they were gross. Joe's coming home. I get to have my cold cut kelso. <laughs> Literally, all I could think of was, when I get home, I'm going to have a roll-up, which is my favorite snack in the entire world. Cold cut day, cold cut day. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I had a ham and cheese sub tonight. It was great. I I remember something similar like that happened when I was a chef. You want to talk about, like, panic when you have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of food that is about to expire. We were calling other uh, affiliates accounts and we were like can you take a truckload of meat because he's already over there and like a truckload literally like a box truck full of meat like veggies like all that and then you were forbidden to open up the door you know what my solution would be other than like giving a bunch of people like the food to hold for me you go down to the store and buy a bunch of ice and uh you just put it in the fridge and close it and the ice keeps it cold. And then you have to just keep doing that. But at least you wouldn't waste all that food. Yeah, as long as you don't open the fridge. When um, Danny enters, uh, due to their food problems and broken fridge, 
Alice hands her this like giant plate of food that she made for her for dinner. And she tells her like, I can't eat all this. Plus Jane's mom made me brownies and says to her dad, oh, she made some for you too. They're in the cupboard, which Alice is like, wait, what's that all about? And Danny tells her, oh, it's a thank you for the free stamps. You know what I said at this point? What free stamps? I, I know he gave her the discount, but at the time I'm like, what free stamps? He charged her and then like it's explained later. But also this time, if he gave her three free stamps, it's still less than a dollar. Yes. But in obviously like in from Alice's perspective, she already knows. Uh, the only thing she knows about Jane's mom is that she gets around, right? She's the whore. So now knowing that the two of them met and he didn't tell her about it, granted, he just walked in the door. Um, she's probably a little insecure, not wondering what might have happened. Yeah, he, he wet her sponge. Yeah. So she immediately says, hey, can I talk to you in the living room? And the two of them like head over. And she's like, well, what's that about? He's like, and he's pretty honest. He holds a little bit in at first. And he says, she noticed my name, thanked me for letting James stay over. And that's it. Which should be like enough to stop this Because it makes sense. Yeah, it, it obviously makes sense. He's like, it's a post office. Like anyone can walk in the post office. And then he, you know, he goes on because she asked about the free stamps. And he said, they weren't free. I just knocked a few cents off. Also true. And he's like, what do you care? It's not our money. And she's like, oh, so you had a flirt with her. So, I mean, again, she's just a little insecure in this moment. She's picking a fight. She's yeah. working them for the house. Yeah, you find out that she's well, working Well, later him. it works out that way. But I don't think that was her immediate angle, but it, it did turn out that way. Also, this is what I was talking about earlier when I said how scary she is when she's angry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she gets her way for sure. Well, this line didn't help because he's like, who's flirting? She's standing there talking to me with her big boobs <laughs> in my face. What was I supposed to do? It's like, oh, so you like her boobs? And he goes, no, they're just big. I don't like big boobs. I mean, like, look at you. <laughs> and she gives him the death stare and he goes, oh, that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> I, also, I think that. this is the best line of the whole episode. I think this is like the funniest. And like, if you had to describe the show in 10 seconds to somebody, his line and then response, I think sums it up perfectly. That, that line really, that got me. So she's getting more aggressive and she goes, you're talking to strange women. You're looking at their boobs. You're giving them stamps and I can't get you to look at one lousy freaking house. <laughs> she really goes with the accent there. Also, don't forget that she calls the other girl trampolina trampolina earlier. Yes. She turns into the mother from the Goonies all of a sudden. <laughs> it's wet, isn't it? You don't have a cousin, Larry. <laughs> so he goes, <laughs> would it make you happy if I looked at a house? He goes, yeah, it would. Okay, I'll look at a house. Now are you okay? And she goes, yeah, I'm fine. Let's go have dinner. And she, like, she comes right from like one really high extreme immediately into calm. And uh, I, I did think that was a good play for her. At first I thought... The Mama Fratelli was a little too extreme, <laughs> but where there was that joke at the end where she comes off of it, Rocky like Road? in a snap when she gets her, <laughs> Rocky Road. Um, I, I did like the way she came right off of it. So it, it did pan out. This is good because she plays him, but you're scared like for him, like you're uncomfortable watching it, you know? Yeah. I love that. It, like the button on that was just him going, at what point did you know you were going to do that to me? I do love that he's like, this is like a classic, like, uh, I would say Tim Allen in Home Improvement is a similar character where it's like, if you, would, I wouldn't use this term in general, but like henpecked, but like knows they are, but still fights it sort of character. Like this doesn't show through most of the episode until now 
And again, this is the kind of stuff that you're like, I love this relationship between them. This is probably going to be a funny show. I wish we could watch more episodes. Yeah, you know what worked out too is Andrew Dice Clay has such a strong personality. And even in this show where he's not completely being like the Dice Man, he's still so like loud as a person. And he like his, the way he like accentuates things, accentuates, that's not a word. (laughs) So like she's able to stand like toe to toe with him. And, like, match his energy on a lot of these scenes, which is a credit to her. Because if you had put someone that was a little too timid next to him, they would have gotten buried in these scenes. And they wouldn't have, like, fit. But she really does come off as a good counterpart. She's great. Yeah. Like, she's just as big as he is in this, you know? And you need that. Yeah, that's why she was a good villain in Casper. (laughs) You're all about the Casper movie. Because I, because it took me a while. I was looking at her face. And I'm like, who is she? And I'm like... For a second, I'm like, is she like, is she, was she like the boss in Californication? But it's definitely not. She's way older. And then I, I finally looked it up, and I was like, Casper. I'm like, oh, that's right. And then I remembered all like the all the parts she's in. You forget that she's in Casper. Uh, have you guys seen City on the Hill? And Raging Bull. Raging Bull is all, also great, but City on the Hill is like a. I think they're on their third season now. It's a Showtime show, but it's about like the '80s FBI in Boston. But she's in that, too, which is really great. Does she scream in that? Go, Owen! She is not, sadly. I want Darjeeling! <laughs> I don't get Showtime, so I don't. I don't anymore, either. We used to have it, and we watched it all. It was great. I think it's included on Xfinity now, at least here. So um, the next scene is Bert and Alice checking out a house. And they're with the realtor. And for whatever reason, brought Lenny and Phyllis with them who didn't bring their child, so I, I don't know why they got a babysitter to just attend this house thing with them, but whatever. If I'm being honest, I like the show um, for the most part. The house shopping part is where they kind of lost me. I didn't like... It goes a little too outside of the realistic that the show yeah. holds on to. It's funny, but it's not realistic. Yeah, it gives yeah. them a good like tag team moment, though, towards the end of it, which I like. See, to me, that was out of left field, and I didn't like that. I will say, though, the water fountain scene, everything about the way that played was like a five-minute laugh for me. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically, to kind of shorten it up a little bit, they're checking out this house, and Alice thanks the woman, the realtor, showing them the house, and she happens to ask, like, oh, what do you do for a living? And she says, oh, I'm the head cashier at Trenton Motor Cards. That's how I knew it was Trenton that they were from. By the oh, way, oh, good call. And that Bert works at the post office. And the realtor, her tone kind of immediately changes because now she's like, oh, they don't have enough money for this house. And she even asks Bert, like, have you ever lived in a house? And he goes, no, I grew up in a cardboard box. Oh, very Dice's delivery on that line. Hickory dickory box. <laughs> so Alice and Bert, they kind of like sidebar. And. The realtor is like walking off at the time. So it's just the two of them. And she's like, stop, you're making a bad impression. And he's like, you know, she's making us look like the Clampets are trying to buy the house. A Beverly Hillbillies reference. And Bert tells Alice, like, he doesn't like her attitude, you know, at all, which is very fair because she is being very rude to them. So they eventually head to the bathroom to meet with where the realtor's at again. And that's when he spots like a bidet and thinks there's a water fountain and starts drinking from it and that that did get me they because they had the water shoot up like a good like six feet so he could drink from it 
Yeah, the fact that it shot up so high is what makes it funny, because, like, it would hurt your teeth if a bidet shot up that high. Like, that's too much, right? It trickles. It doesn't shoot up six feet in the air. Have you guys ever used a bidet? I never Uh, have. No. But if Hello Tushy wants to sponsor us... Clean tush. Um, I've used one once. It was interesting. I wasn't quite sure how to use it. Were you pro or anti at the end? I don't think I did it right. I was afraid (laughs) of getting poopy everywhere. So I just kind of like wet the toilet paper and then just wiped my butt. And I was like, this you definitely not- did it wrong. If that sounds wrong to me. I don't know a ton about bidets, but that sounds wrong. I didn't. I don't know. There's something about like water hitting me and you be because clearly not my house water hitting you and then like little poop particles just being left behind. I don't know if you can flush it. I don't know how we got to this point, but I'm glad you found a way to say the word poop particles in an episode. Yeah. I've been waiting, guys. If there was ever an appropriate time, it was... I mean, like, no, but day talk is correct. Yeah, it's one of the best opportunities, for sure. I'm just saying that I don't get how they they work. So now the realtor says, you know, that's just about everything. How about we just start, you know, heading out now? And Alice is like, well, what about the upstairs? Like, we didn't even finish doing all that. And she responds by telling Alice that, you know, I'm a very busy person, and would like to show her something more in her price range, but she thinks she drove up in it. That is Referencing rough. basically like, yeah, like your car is basically your spending limit. That would be like an immediate, like punch you in the face. Oh yeah, that's that's like a fights on moment. All right, yeah. so you see what they do for a living. You've been at this job. You figure, all right, they're not going to get approved for these loans. Now you feel like you're wasting your time, but like these people didn't do anything wrong to you. Why are you being like such an asshole that quickly? I would go I would go to the owners and be like, this person cost you a sale we were gonna buy. We have the money in cash. Yeah, the thing is I mean you couldn't do it now because the market's so crazy where like there will just be another seller. But back then, that I mean that house is also let's talk about that house. You were talking about that Catherine Moriarty being in uh Casper. That looks like the house from Casper, but like not falling apart, right? It's a humongous mansion. Like they didn't look for like a house in the suburbs that was instead of three bedrooms and one bathroom four bedrooms and one and a half bathrooms like what you'd expect right and like a little yard that's what you'd expect them to look at they look at a mansion it doesn't matter what their job is and again you could have had a hundred grand in the bank or a million dollars in the bank you don't know who these people are but that seemed excessive for what they were looking for it was four yeah but even her when she wants to buy a house that's unrealistic in the best of times you know what i mean like you think you'd shoot more and like, I, when we were looking for a house, I wasn't like, I would like one that has seven bedrooms. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Like, A, I couldn't afford it, and B, we don't need it. Like, what are you doing at that point? You're wasting time for everybody. Yeah, especially if it's like, we're going to look at a house. Like, we haven't looked at any houses. Let's start with one that's maybe a little bit more realistic for Yeah, their agreement is one house, and she picks, like, an old mansion that still has, like, weird old oil paintings on the wall and everything. It's still yeah. furnished. It's kind of strange. So then Alice asks Bert if he's seen the size of the shower and he tells her you know i was thinking the same thing i gotta try this baby out so now the realtor is starting to panic as bert is removing his clothing and heading over to the shower and she tells him you know this is someone else's shower he goes hey you know i don't like using a stranger's soap either but hey i'm the one with the skin condition that's the biggest oh that's, that should that have been the, the that was the dice doing dice stuff in that moment um, love that he did it. Every second of it. 
Uh, <laughs> and I just love like the idea, like cause then you know he throws like his his jacket at the realtor who is now afraid to touch anything, thinking that he has a skin condition. But like that really popped me when he did that. Yeah, that was really good. I think this leads to uh the best joke of the entire episode too is when she's explaining what happened later on to the kids, where she was like, "So there we are. I'm sitting on the water fountain." I love that you get the idea that she's smarter than him. But isn't <laughs> that yeah. she also thinks it's a water fountain? They they are made to be with one another. It, it it's definitely it becomes more clear as time goes. Especially I thought the whole shower thing, like she pitched that to him. You know, like he he knew what where she was going with it. So like they're on the same page, and I do like seeing those moments. And we talked about it to keep talking about Roseanne. Like very different circumstances, but like when in the pilot for Roseanne when. Darlene hurts her finger and the two of them like team up. It's it's different but similar in the way that like you see these two click and they are a united force. And that's what happened there, where the realtor's acting a certain way towards them, so now they're gonna team up to get back at her. This reminded me of a Roseanne scene too. I think it's gonna be the second or third season, and not to get too crazy, but like basically uh Becky wants to meet a boy and they're like at he works at the bowling alley and they're like, Well, we're going to and they both start doing this sort of like backwoodsy southern thing where it's like, we won't embarrass you. You know, like this felt very much like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And also while she's telling the kids the story, she like, Danny replies with like, did the cops see daddy naked? And she's like, well, it wasn't the first time. Now, everyone here has had their Russians with police. Has anybody been arrested naked? It would have to have been Gordo. But if it was anybody, it was Gordo, yeah. Never naked. Never naked, okay. Never naked. In my, in my run-ins, I had clothes. In, in one, I had extra clothes because I was in a Halloween costume. It wasn't, wasn't once, though, you were in a kilt? Yeah, but I wasn't, like, it was Halloween. I was cheating. I wasn't going full kilt. Sure, yeah, you had some shorts on under there. Yeah. Should have. It was October. It was almost November. I've never been arrested. I've just been, t- I've been taken home, wrongfully, but I've never been uh, arrested. I got taken home by the police because Jay wouldn't leave CVS. Oh, uh, that was wrongful, too, though. I was innocent there. Oh, you're always innocent. Every one of these stories, I was innocent. <laughs> I got accused of, like, stealing a bottle of shampoo or something like that. You you did steal a lighter on a different occasion, so you were banned from that, and when you went no, back in, no, they no, told no, you no, not no, to No, 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 I got accused of something else when someone else did something, and then they were just, like, out trying to, like, catch me do something later on, but someone else did it. It wasn't me. I'm not going to pretend I never stole anything from CVS when we were kids, but in these particular instances, I did not. Meanwhile, I'm just outside with a lollipop, and the cop ripped the lollipop out of my mouth and took me home. Pulled his pigtails out. (laughs) You probably thought you were on ecstasy. Is that a big ecstasy thing? Was like sucking a lollipop. I got a, I got a drug test. (laughs) So in any event, Danny says to him, "Oh, I guess we're not getting the house." And he goes, "Guess again. We're waiting to hear back from the bank," which Alice is shocked about because she was unaware that he put in an offer. And no sooner does the news come out, there's a knock at the door, and that's when Jane and her mom are both there. And Jane's mom tells Alice, I know Jane's been staying here a lot lately, but is there any way you could watch her tonight? And she goes, my God, don't you ever get your period? Oh, that was a great line. This is also the time that she walks in through the fourth floor garden. Yes. Every other time she just sent the daughter over and had the kids ass, this time she went over, she was coming over to fuck. I'm convinced no, she saw the wife was there. I don't there. think that was the case. I mean, I don't think I she am, wants Why? Why man. is this the one time she showed up and then had the run-in with the wife? They already had their flirt. She made her She made her brownies. She made him brownies, I mean. 
Well, a lot of times she's already hanging out with Danny. So it's like, can she stay? But in this case, she wasn't with her. So she's trying to drop her off. Yeah. Right. Or she's at school. This is still her first time ever coming to the house because she's just meeting the wife. So why has she never come over before? Because now she knows what the dice man looks like. Yep, she's coming over to bang. I don't know. I didn't get that. I didn't get that vibe personally. But I didn't get she, it either. But I mean, like, I get it. She flirted with him hardcore in the place, and she made him brownies. But if she's coming over, it's only to flirt more. You're not going over to her house where her kids, who are your daughter's best friend, and the wife are there. You're not going to come over thinking anything's going to happen. If you're doing anything, you're going to flirt a little. Maybe she yeah. could drop the kids off and be like, oh, big strong dice man, my dryer is broken. Can you help me fix it and lay down some pipe? I mean, yeah, that is <laughs> a possibility. I keep getting stuck in it. I'm stuck in the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in the mail slide. It's like two fingers. <laughs> hey, just uncurl your fingers. Oh, you got to pull it back and forth. Oh, that's a pretty big bill. Anyways, when um <laughs> after the don't you ever get your period line, Bert instantly uh, steps in and tells all the kids to head to the living room. And as that's happening, the phone ring is like, good. Now I don't have to be here either. So. Now it's just Alice and um, Jane's mom together. And I think her name is like Vicky. Vicky. Because I keep just saying her mom, but it's Vicky. So Alice tells Vicky, you know, we love Jane and we don't mind her staying over. But lately it just seems like she's spending more time with me than she is you. And then Vicky says, hey, I'm a single mom and, you know, I'm out there trying to find a great guy. And I don't have a guy like Bert and I don't have what like you guys have. That would be the dick. Oh, okay. So when Vicky says that to her, I think that did hit home and she realized like what she does have and I guess could see Vicky's point of view. Like she's single and it's not that she's just out there having fun, although it seems that way, but she's just dating around, you know, in hopes of finding something a little more stable. It's just not what is coming along, which is sad. Like you feel for her in that moment. Yeah. And like, so, so she, cause there was a moment where Jane wasn't going to stay over cause she was offended by alice and she had called for jane to get ready and then bert comes out after they kind of have a little moment together and says oh you know jane will be out in a second she's you know just getting her things and alice like no that's fine like jane's gonna stay here tonight and vicky heads out and he goes your friends now that's not good i love his little lines so that's when bert tells her that the bank were the ones on the phone and they didn't get the house and he tells her you know, they want 20% down plus closing costs and inspections. He's like, we just don't have it, babe. So he kind of heads over to sit with his son at the couch. And he's, he's obviously a little bummed out and dejected. And Alice walks up and is like, hey, you know, it's okay. You didn't even want those. He's like, yeah, but, you know, it's like every time I try to do something good for you guys, it screws up. And she's like, no, you've done plenty good for us. And he's like, you know, I want to do nice things for my family. And she tells him, you know, he does. And, you know, with a little bit of saving and their mom his mom's life insurance god willing they'll be able to buy a house soon enough anyways and he's like yeah or we could do that or you know maybe pay for the kids to go to college and then they both look over at their son who's watching tv and they just look at each other gonna go house and they just get like a little quick kiss and that's the end of the episode i thought the perfect end yeah it was it, it just put a quick button on it and it, it wrapped it up uh nothing too extreme i wouldn't say perfect end i thought i wanted like i I don't know, I guess the joke wasn't big enough for me, but it was fine. It was fine. I did like it. It really worked for me, but I'm also very satisfied because 
the version we had was the original air date one and immediately after this this fell into a burger king commercial where it was like football coaches and it was joe paterno being like why don't you come to us like oh my god what are we doing it was so funny (laughs) i'm proud of you for knowing joe paterno i was only excited by bo jackson bo jackson was in there i love bo jackson bo knows that was like the most exciting part for me when that came on. I was like, oh shit, Bo Jackson, the greatest ever. I mean, Bo Jackson was pretty great. But yeah, that was a, that was a conclusion of the episode. And I mean, I don't have much more to say about the show because I didn't even know the show existed. So I don't have any notes. We all love, well, I mean, I, I will say this pre-show, just a quick survey before we watch this episode, fan or not fan of Andrew Dice Clay? Fan. Oh, I guess that is an important thing to mention. I think he's terrible. Okay, so it's three to one. Dice Clay. Ferg hates everybody. Ferg hates so many people. Who do you like, Ferg? I like you. Cartoons. He likes cartoons. You guys are my best friends. I love you. We love you too. Ferg, I will say though, check out the Dice show from like 2016. I think you might actually like that one. All right. I'm not going to do it, but. (laughs) I'm sorry I suggested (laughs) it then. Or we can make you watch it. Oh, Oh, no. To be fair, it is a sitcom. Hey, oh, it's a yo. show? I thought you were telling me to watch a, a stand-up special. No, his sitcom from 2016, I think you'll like better. I think you'll enjoy that show. That, is that the one Jay wanted to do that couldn't find? No, that's Hits. That was from um, that's a couple from years later. Early 2000s, I think. This is from 2016, I think, uh, the Dice one. So he hasn't, sorry, so he hasn't had a, uh, a show that's really hit, like other comics have, right? No, his shows always go one season only. He was like one of the biggest, as far as like sales, ticket sales went, like probably to this day, still one of the biggest comics of all time. Um, Because when he was selling out Madison Square Garden. Oh, it was unprecedented. Yeah. You see like the Kevin Hart's of the world being able to do that now. But when he did that, like no comic ever touched anything remotely that size before. It was like insane that he was able to fill the garden. So... You know, Dice, yeah, it just never quite translated. I guess he never had a successful show. Um, This had one full season and like 16 episodes is a good, I mean, for back then it was kind of standard, if not longer at times, but nowadays that's two up to like, that's, that's two, two seasons. Plus seasons. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so I guess it is what it is with that. Um, I guess nothing else to do, but just get into the green ladder cancel. Gordo, I want to start with you. And remember, we don't have Nick, so depending on how these votes pan out, if it is a two-to-two tie, you'll have to go to S1E1Pod and double-check. And a few days from when this comes out, we'll have a graphic up that'll have the final results with Nick's vote included. Jay, this is an easy green light for me. You know, it was funny. It wasn't too over-the-top. It, it, it wasn't too raunchy. It, it, it was just... It hit all of the marks kind of perfectly i don't think that there was a thing in this episode that it did wrong i'm surprised that it didn't last longer than it did but i'm just going off of episode one maybe the later episodes get a little obnoxious uh but i don't know if there's any tropes or anything like that that become annoying down the road but i really really like this i thought it was funny as hell uh i thought it was smart um everybody had fantastic chemistry across the board easy green light ferg um i'm a little on the fence with this one um i enjoyed the show but i i didn't love it either um it had enough to push me over to the green light but um 
like it's not one of my favorite shows we covered. I don't high hold it as high regards as you guys seem to, but I thought it was harmless. Uh, it had a good feeling of a lot of those uh, '90s sitcoms, um, ones that I would pass. So even if I don't like Andrew Dice Clay, I mean, I'd be pretty fake if I canceled it. So green light, Joe. Yeah, I think I'm with Gordo on this one as far as, like, this is, to me, one of those sitcoms that I'll sometimes refer to as a sitcoms sitcom, where, like, it hits every market shit, and this one goes a little outside the box by being a little raunchier, which is a pro to me. I love Dice Clay. I love this cast. I need to find a way to watch the rest of the season. I'm very sad it didn't go longer. Uh, This is a super easy green light for me. It's smart. It's funny. It's kind of raunchy, but in a mid-90s, don't go too far away uh it's great i fucking love it green light yeah and for me um i'm going with you guys obviously i picked the show because i love andrew dice clay so much but i didn't know what we were getting into because it was a show that i really wasn't even aware existed and to watch it i was very pleasantly surprised there were i didn't i wouldn't say it was a perfect show that did feel like something was missing and i can't put my finger on what it is but something seemed a little off but other than that, I love the dynamic between him and his wife. Um, the daughter had some great lines in there without being annoying. Like she had her place in it without overtaking the scenes. Um, yeah, overall, I just, I, no big complaints. And I think with someone like Andrew Dice Clay, who's such a loud, big personality, he was able to dial it down just enough. And they cast him with people who were just big enough that it worked together. And he didn't outshine everybody. But he was still able to be dice in like a way that worked with the sitcom. Um, so I was really um, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And wish also that I could watch the rest of the season. I will look. I don't know if I'll be successful in finding I'll look it for but, you guys. But I am going to give it an effort. If you find it, you let me know. How, you see Howie Mandel is on this show? I did not see that. Yeah. The casting ends up, there's crazy people on it as guest stars. It's great. And just uh, another heads up, we, we actually did get a message from Nick as we're recording, and he is also giving it the green light. So um, I still want you to go to S21Pod, though, on Instagram and Twitter and follow us there, but I will spoil it ahead of time and let you know that, surprisingly, Bless This House, a show none of us have seen, a show that had a very tiny, tiny run, is getting a perfect five out of five from us. So congratulations to Bless This House, a very unexpected uh perfect score i i really didn't see that coming i didn't even know how i was gonna vote for it because i i hadn't watched it um so congratulations to you guys guys that's all the time we have for this week i'm gonna remind you again go to s1e1pod.com that has all the links to everywhere where you can listen to us all the links to our social media please give us a follow everywhere that you can uh rate review do all that fun stuff that helps us a lot for those algorithms Uh, It's very easy to get buried in the world of podcasting and social media. There's just so much stuff out there. So interactions and likes and comments and all that stuff, it really does help. Um, So please spread the word. It means so much to us. I can't stress that enough every week. Uh, It really does. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But tune in again next week for another new episode. But that's all the time we have for this week. So thank you, guys. Goodbye. I think we got the worst Joe Paterno. Oh!